You're listening to Stand Out with Ian O'Connell. Wednesday evenings from 8pm here on Radio Kerry. Now you're very welcome to the show tonight. I hope I find you well on this Wednesday evening. I'm delighted to say that my guest this week on Stand Out with myself, Ian O'Connell, is Kerry legend Pat Spillane. Pat is a former Gaelic football pundit and player. His league and championship career at senior level with the Kerry County team spanned over 17 years. Spillane is widely regarded as one of the greatest players to ever lace up a pair of football boots and is the uncle of current footballers Adrian and Killian Spillane. Sit back and enjoy the show. Keeping you too long, Pat. Thanks, William, for coming on There's today. There's no panic at all, Ian. I'm, I'm retired and I've all day to do it. Oh, all day. Very good. Um, I like to bring all my my guests that I have on back to their the early days, back to their their childhood. Do you want to bring me back to yours growing up and stuff? What was life like growing up? I was one of I was one of four children. I was the eldest, and Mick was a year younger than me. Margaret, my sister, and and Tommy was the baby. Uh, four of us, uh, born and reared in in Timpano. We lived in 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 we lived over the bar. My father and mother ran a bar, uh, a shop, uh, and petrol pumps. And life was revolved around the bar because the thing about business in the bar is that the bar was only closed for two days every year. Uh, Good Friday. And Christmas Day, so it was constantly people in behind the counter, running in and out, serving petrol. Um, I suppose it was a big change for my mother. My mother got married in 1953. She was from Killarney, one of the lines of Killarney, the lines of Cleany. And she married my father, Tom. And when she came to Timpano in 54 or late 53, I can't remember when it was, there was electricity in Killarney. But there was no electricity at that time in Tipano. So it must have been like going from going from Killarney to Tipano. It was like going from the first world to the third world at the time. But yeah. um, but we had a great we look, we were we we had I, I two great parents and um we had a great great upbringing. We never we never found wanted it for for anything. And uh, as I said, you know, a couple of weeks ago uh, on the Sunday game, uh my father died in 1964, and uh, I was eight years of age. Tommy, the youngest, was two, and my mother was left to rear four kids, uh, run a bar, run a shop, run a petrol pump. She sold the car because she couldn't drive, and at that t- stage, there was no widow's pension, and there was no support from the state for a woman trying to rear four kids, and she was a great woman. She she reared the four of us, uh, all did successful in life and their careers and everything like that, and she was just... You know, we t- we always talk about Irish mothers, uh, and my mother was was just an unbelievable woman, a, wo- a woman who packed everything in her life to rear four kids and run a business. Never took a day off, never had staff in the bar. Uh, she cooked in the kitchen while the door to the bar was open so that she'd see the customers they want to drink. Uh, never went on a holiday. Was as as you as I said, she was one of the lines of cleaning. So all her Three of our brothers played with Kerry, my uncle Dinny, Captain Kerry in the Polo Grounds in, in, in 47, Kerry against Kevin, my uncle Jackie uh, played with Kerry and managed Kerry to win all that. And so she came from a huge GA background. And once my father died, all of that had to be put in the back burner. She never again, never again went to a football field, never again went to see a match. And the only time she ever saw her three boys play football 
was on television uh, playing with Gary. So, uh, and and that was something that you sort of, you, you, I talked about the death of my father, the day of the Allied, and then you start to say, it's, it's one regret you always have that your father wasn't there, to, wasn't alive to see his sons win, win Allied medals or to see his two grandsons killing the aging. Or that even something I regretted that my mother sometime, you'd love that your mother would have been at, that she would have been at one of the Allied finals that we could have that hug and embrace after the game. But that wasn't for my mother. It was all about running the bar and just making sure we were looked after. So, with a good upbringing now, because of working in the bar, she always felt that that's it's difficult. It's difficult to bring up kids in a bar. So for the three boys, we were pampered and spoiled. We were sent away to boarding school in St. Brendan's while my sister stayed at home with my mother. Mar- my sister Marcus stayed at home with my mother, went to school in Khmer, but she stayed at home so that she could help in the bar and whatever like that. So uh, she was a great woman. We had a great, we had, we had a great family upbringing. Like I was born into a family of where the GA was powerful. My 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 father was was a stalwart of the local club. Uh, my uncles all played at one stage between two families of Spillans. They made up seven of the fifteen in the Tippenau team in the fifties. So boy, uh, yeah. So a great, a great, look, I had a great upbringing. We were never left on wanting for anything and uh, passionate GA people. And I've had, you know, if you look, if, I, you know, if people say, uh, all my memories of youth, and I'm sure with my mother, there must have been really hard days and tough days, but I can never remember a bad day. I can never remember a day. Uh, I can never remember a day that she was ever down in the dumps. I, ne- I can remember, never remember a day that we were sad or disappointed or whatever like that. Uh, we were just, we, we had a great upbringing. She was a great lady, never gave out to us, just supported us and everything we did. That was, that was it. So good memories, Ian. And it's like you said, at eight years old, you were very young, and it was a massive, um, a massive job for your mom to, you know, to run everything then. And it's great to look back on, on it now and to see, like, you know, how good she was. And, and that, like you said, never had a bad day. And it's great to have them, them memories now. What would be your, your first memory of Gaelic football at a young age? Because I presume it, it kind of revolved around the whole house growing up. <laughs> It did, but like I said, you know, I was saying it on the late late show a couple of weeks ago. Even though we, like the three of us, played foot, Tom, Mike, and and myself played football, we carried every level, minor, under twenty one, and senior. Uh, and football was, I mean, she, my mother, like during the summer and the busy months of the summer when it was busy in the bar, and say we were playing with Kerry. My mother would make sure that we'd be up in bed. Her three big lumps of sons would be up in bed and not getting out of bed till twelve or one o'clock, so that we'd be fresh for training that night, or that we'd be fresh for the game. And 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 the most amazing thing is we never, even though we were football mad, we never spoke football. We, it could be the day before an all Adam final. It could be having the breakfast before we leave to get to train in Killarney this afternoon. And the mention of the all Adam final, it would never be mentioned. Uh, like in my younger days, like what are my first experience of football? I can remember as a seven-year-old playing under 14, and that must have been 1963 uh, or early 64 and playing a challenge game against Sneem. And I remember in those days, underage, underage, there was no underage structure. There was no competitive games to underage. And I remember my father brought a bunch of lads to play an under 14 challenge. So I did play one game for my father. He he brought me on. I, he played, He started me as a seven-year-old. I'd say now, to be quite honest, it wasn't that I was an exceptional seven-year-old. It was because my father was in charge of the team that I got a game. But I, I do remember, and it's amazing, you know, Ian, you remember little things. 
And I can still remember togging off in the back of his, I, I know it was a Ford Cortina, one of those big old Fords uh, behind the goal in Sneem, 1963 or else early 64. So at least I can, I can sort of derive some satisfaction that, do you know what? He did see me play. Not very well, I can tell you. But as a seven-year-old playing under 14, I don't think you'd be starring in it. But yeah, that was my first experience. But I really didn't get, uh, I never really played. Like my first, my first experience and my first introduction to, to Gaelic football uh, and competitive Gaelic football was when I went to St. Brendan's. And like in St. Brendan's, football was, was a religion because... You were training. You were training every evening, and and I had you know I, I like there was great priests there, Father Pierce and Father Hegarty and Father Lenan, and like my first ever coaching, the first time I ever got coached in Gaelic football would have been in St Brendan's College, and and like I was gee, uh, I was out in that field. Uh, I was out in that that football field in St. Brendan's where the, the community college is now. I was there every evening kicking balls. Just, uh, and I, we got the training, we got the coaching, we got the, the matches. And uh, and that was where my, my, my career started in, in, in St. Brendan's College with those, with those great priests, Father Lenan and Father Pierce and Father Hegarty, coaching me and, and helped me to develop as a player. And... Like my because of playing with Sam Brindens, I played in an All Ireland College this final two. We were beaten in it. Went in All Ireland. Saying Pat that you were, were you on the team? You won back to back Carney Vries. I'd say we did. Yeah, we did win, and I was captain of one of the teams. I was captain one year. We were beaten in the semi final that year. The year before we, the year before we got to the All Ireland final, and we played St Pat's at Cavan. And at that stage, there was no real age limit to to colleges. On St Pat's at fellas that were three and four years older than us now. It was like men against boys. Uh, we went to, I remember we played, we played, and I, I can still, you know, I, I don't have many memories. Or, or I'm bad at recalling matches, even Kerry Seen again, but I do recall, like for us, playing in an all College's final, uh, going up the day before, staying outside in the spa hotel in Lucan, going to the Phoenix Park on the Sunday morning, uh, the morning of the game. And I remember we did a, we did a, 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 a a drill for our a plan from the kick from the throwing. I believe it or not, <laughs> when it came to the game, uh, the plan worked. We won the kick out, and I think it was not too sure it was a Dan, Dan Connor from Kilcombe and whoever scored the point, and we went in the lead and so we were hammered after. So, my first experience uh, in Crop Park was playing in that All Ireland College's final. Had I a great game? No. Did I last the full game? No, I was taken off. So, do you know, if if, if you said that, uh, gee, that fella will win a lot of all Ireland medals and he'll win a lot of All-Stars and he'll win man the matches in the all Ireland finals, geez, you'd be happy. I don't think anyone would have believed it after seeing that display. But look, it wouldn't be I, I, the money on you. No, they wouldn't. I think I was about 16 at the time. But look, it was a great learning experience. We went to the All-Ireland College's semi-final the following year. Then I played Kerry Minor. And, and look, uh, you know, the, the year out of Kerry Minor, I was 19. Then I went into, like, I went to Tormann College, which was the National College of Physical Education at the time. And like, while St. Brendan's was was my, or was, was gave me the foundation uh the National College of Physical Education was the platform that launched me to because the National College of Physical Education, we went, we were literally full-time professional athletes, you know, training all, the, uh, you know, doing the proper strength and conditioning, doing knowing all about the, the body, knowing all about the stretching, knowing all about the various ways to get fit, what to work on, the programs. And we had 
coaching. We had the best of coaching. A man called late David Weldrick coached us in Gaelic football. And we were literally, like we were doing, like in, in the 70s, in the late 70s, we were doing video analysis of our training sessions in the late 70s, which was unheard of. And like, oh, that moved us on to, I mean, that was when I was, just, when like in 19, I got a chance then. I was playing with Kinmayer. We got to the county. We 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 won the county final in 1974, and because of winning the, the county, in, was it 74? I'm very bad. Yes, 74. Because McKean Edwards, we won the county in in 74. The first time Kinmayer District ever won it, and because of playing well in it, I got my chance with the Kerry Seniors in the following year. Uh, it's sorry, in, in late 74. Don't know. I was a sub against Galway National League game against against Galway and you know like you know when look comes com- comes your way I think I was I think there was 13 or 14 subs and I was the second last sub but me uh, I, Johnny Colletti was the manager at the time he gave me a chance he brought me on and I came on for Mike Frank for Frank Russell uh, I replaced Frank Russell would be Mike Frank Russell's father and uh, you know I swear to God I've been very lucky I, I've been really lucky in my footballing career I think every time I played w- my first match for a team, whether it was St. Brendan's, whether it was Timpano or Winkemere District, I think I was lucky enough to um, to pretty much score every time I got the first ball. And the first ball I got against Galway, you know, a big chance playing in 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 in, in, in for Kerry Seniors. I think I scored with my first chance. So like I've had a I've had a, a brilliant career, but I've also have to admit like I I was very, very lucky. Well did you um did you win an under twenty one medal against Dublin? We did, but 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 that was a sort of aside because we won an under twenty one medal. I can't do. I probably did. I I think I won two. It's terrible, Ian. I, you know, like I'm very bad at recalling and and how many national league medals. I, I look at it, Wikipedia and it says, and I think they're wrong. I think I've won four. Maybe I haven't. Uh, I think I've and I and I don't mean like. I don't mean this. That geez, I took it for granted. I didn't give a damn about winning. And in my life, on the field and off the field, I've always had the same sort of old philosophy. And that once it's gone, it's gone. You know, once yeah. once you uh, close the chapter, move to the next one. And I'm not one for geez, looking back at wasn't that a great victory in that under twenty one and. Where, where are my under-21 medals? Or, or same with senior. I don't have them up around the house. They're, they're in the drawer. There's no sort of big things on the wall saying. So I did. I know. But but in 75, I suppose it was Dublin. I think we beat Dublin. But like 75 was one of those golden years for Kerry football. Because 75, uh, Mick O'Dwyer, first time. Mick O's young men, a team of bachelors. Team that were given no chance. Dublin were the raging hot favourites. And we won our all But not alone did we win the Kerry, the all But the minors the same day. And my brother Mick was playing. The Miners won the All-Ireland the same day. And Brilliant. the following week, and the following week, a mixture of the two teams, the Miners, the best of the Miners, and the under-20, and the seniors that were under-21, we played Dublin the following week, and we won an All-Ireland under-21. And I'd say, genuinely, Ian, I'd say we didn't train. I'd say we never trained more than twice, ever in the entire year, because, because we were training with the seniors, the Miners were training with the Miners, and we literally came together for the All-Ireland final. We won the All-Ireland final, so... I'd love to say great memories, but I can't. Maybe I know somebody, some listener will tell us after what we did. I have no memory of it at all, but I think I won too. I think so. It's, ama- it's amazing, you know, the, looking back that, that you know, you 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 probably took it for granted at the time. Was it that all Ireland? Was that the 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 game that um, Mickey Ned O'Sullivan go out? Ah, 
you left. So like, it was. I mean, you know, uh, it was an amazing experience. Like, this, the thing about it, I mean, and I, I have to say this because, you know, and I said, like, and I've always said it about, I mean, Mikko Dwyer. I mean, okay, like, there was a couple of things about that 75. Uh, okay, you can say Mikko was lucky to, that an exceptional bunch of players came along at the same time, which which it did. But but we were blessed that Mikko Dwyer was the man in charge because everything I achieved on the football field, everything I achieved on the football field, I I I have to thank Mikko Dwyer because one, he gave me a he gave me the chance to play with the the, the first real chance to play with the Kerry Seniors. Secondly, he gave me the belief. That I was good enough, and that's that's important. And he gave everyone the belief, whether he was talking to Jimmy Dean, the cornerback, or whether he was talking to Jacko at midfield, or whether he was talking to myself for she uh, or John Egan. He made you believe that you were the best left corner forward, you were the best right foot forward, you were the best foot forward in the game. He filled you with confidence. And the, the third thing he did, Ian, and this is a philosophy. The third thing he did, and I've said this so many times when I talk, when I give talks to football teams or to youngsters. We were in 10 All-Ireland football finals and that's a lot of finals. That's a lot of, that's, that's a lot of finals, but it's a lot of, a lot of matches, a lot of team talks. And Ian, there was one thing about his team talk that always stood out. Mikko never, ever, ever spoke about the opposition and how we could stop them. Really? He never spoke about the opposition star players and how we could stop them. It was always filling us, it was always about filling us with belief, believing in ourselves and believing in our teammates. Our glass was always half full and, and we took that into every game, that belief, that glass is half full, that belief in ourselves, that belief in our teammates and that's what carried carried us through. And I'll tell you this, Ian, and it is not just as a footballer, I carry that glass is half full philosophy, that belief, I've carried that through my entire life to this very day and hopefully into the future. And for that, I have to thank Mikko Dwyer. Amazing man. Just an amazing, an amazing man. Does that go for everything in life for you, Glass uh, Half? Oh, unbel- and I know, I, I, I remember the kids, when I, when I retired from school, I remember I got a T-shirt made up uh, and by the kids and school and they had given the t-shirt with all my usual sayings or the favorite sayings and like you know it was always the glasses always half full was one of them and, and i have the I've, i i swear to god you know like little things you know do you know if you were writing if you were reading a newspaper before a game uh-huh. and someone and, and someone would say uh kelly are going to be beaten i say kelly are going to be beaten our plan is no good. And I'd say, oh, I'm going to prove that wrong. I'm going to... But vice versa, if you if you said somebody, if you read an article saying, Kelly going to win and Spillane is going to be a star, you'd say, oh, they're right as well. But no, oh, geez. Uh, do you know the old faraway fields are greener or talk? Yeah. Nah, don't buy into that. I, I believe in myself. I believe in that glass is half full. I just, I'm always, I'm always positive. Positive, positive, positive. It's 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 something that has carried, like I said, it carried me through my career as a footballer. It carried me through my, my through my life. And I think that's that that's very it's very important. Um touching on the the your debut against Galway, um 
everybody saw on the Sunday game when when um we we beat Galway. It's a it's a special fixture in in your own life and your your you know your dad passed away. Was it the day after? It, it, it two days after, and it triggered. I swear to God, you know, I never. I was on the late late show ten days ago, and it just there was there were several triggers, obviously. Uh, you know, Kerry winning my last day at the Sunday game, the four Temple No lads winning all that medals, my two my two nephews, Adrian and Killing winning. But the big trigger was Kerry Galway because Kerry Galway, my a Kerry Galway all out in final in my head, I I could never get rid of 1964. I couldn't get rid of 1964. It had huge significance for me and my family. And in 1964, my father was a selector. Uh, he got a pain in the chest the night before thing. I wouldn't go to the doctor, insisted on being at the game the following day uh, because he was a selector. Got another pain in the chest on the Monday uh, and was dead on a Tuesday night. Never got a chance. Just a massive heart attack and did. So that, oh, Gary Godway, it, it was like, maybe it was my, like I was trying to explain you know, as youngsters in those days, we didn't grieve. You weren't brought to funerals and anything like that. Now, I think they yeah. do. And I wasn't brought to funerals. Maybe this was, maybe this was my first time grieving about for my father. Maybe it was. And like, I know as I'm getting older, I know I'm getting more emotional, and I do a bit of crying. But like I said, geez, I never cried on television before in my life, and that was the first time, and probably will be the last time as well. But it was. It was Jesus. It. It was huge. It was hugely significant. It was hugely significant. Do you think that there's a kind of a bit of a, even in the early days and even today, that there's a bit of a, a stigma around men kind of refusing to go to the doctor? Ah, do you know what? And it's amazing the amount of people that said that that had been after the late, late last Friday week and they said, and actually, uh, uh, Paul Reed. I saw a, t- a tweet from him. Even uh, the head of the HSE, who was, and he was saying it's vitally important for men to talk about health issues and and you know to address them. And we're slow. We're, we have that stigma. Oh, I'm a man. I'm, uh, I'm a man. And you know what? I, I think like the road. I certainly feel we're a lot more vulnerable, and we're a lot. And I. Uh, I suppose I, I reflect more on life and health now because I remember, like, I mean, I, like I said, I was part of the Kerry team, the great Kerry team, 75 to 18, 7, 18. I mean, we were at the time an unbelievable bunch of footballers, an unbelievably fit bunch of athletes, Jeez, as fit a men as you'll get in Ireland. They were unbelievable athletes, unbelievably fit. And yet we, I, we've lost three of that team that have died, John Egan, Tim Kennelly and Paddy Shea. And do you know when three men are taken in 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 in, in their forties, young three young men are early fifties, three young men are taken. It sort of hits you because you know you don't think the Paddy Shea's and the, the Kelly footballers and you know that they're infallible and that they'll never die, whatever. And I'll tell you this: it it hit home to me that we are, you know, we're, we're, we're no different than anyone else. We're vulnerable to everything. And I think COVID made us realise just, made us realise just how vulnerable we are to, to a hidden illness or a hidden hidden disease. So uh, I think it's important if there's a message that, that I got from, that I gave from the late late or important in talking about and talking here today with you about my father is the need for men 
to rid themselves of the stigma of not complaining and not seeking help. Go out there, seek help, seek help. Absolutely. I think it, it is it is important and hopefully men take a, a message from from that um the the story. I want to touch on you you did you play a bit of um time with Ireland in the international rule series? I did, but I was <laughs> I did. I actually I uh, I I played in two series. I sorry, I went I I I was at, I went I went to Australia under Kevin Heffernan and I also played with Ireland under under Eugene McGee. Uh OJ the year we went down uh, to Australia it was there was three violent matches. It was it was violence. It was just and to be quite honest, uh, you know I I love my county and I love my country, but I wasn't prepared to die or get maimed for my country. And to be quite honest, I, I wasn't the bravest man in Australia. So, and in fairness to Hef, Hef, Kevin, after the first trial game, uh, it was played south of Perth and Heffern and said, call me into his room. And he says, what do you think of this game? And Jesus, I said, to be quite honest, Kevin, I said, uh, and I didn't, I was just back from the cruciate. I didn't feel comfortable and didn't feel safe. And he, he didn't pick me for the three games. And I was the runner, actually. So it, they were violent games. They were just, and I remember like people say, I oh, like, um, like and it, a fight. Remember, in the, like the Australians, the big bad Australians, and they were blamed for everything. But I'll tell you this: uh, uh, it takes two to tango, and the Irish, uh, the, the Irish fought fire with fire. Uh, and I remember one of the things, and, and I think we ex- there was two things about it. First of all, Heffernan looked at in the in Australian rules and in the compromise rules. Obviously, you could you were allowed to pick the ball off the ground. And there's a sort of unwritten rule in, in, in Aussie rules that you know that the guy is allowed to pick the ball up off the ground. Yeah. Without being challenged serious. And Heffern and the one thing Heffern said, when they're down, when they're going down to pick the ball off the ground, draw a kick on the ball. And of course, <laughs> kicking is kicking is considered like they don't mind fighting, but kicking they reckon is the lowest form of, uh, of violence. Oh, they hate it. So that was the first thing. Uh you kicked every ball that they were going down to pick up. Geez, they were ve- they were very angry with that. But the second thing then we expected was in, in nineteen eighty five, uh, Ireland played Australia uh, in Parky Keeve, and I wasn't playing that year because it was just after Ireland. And it, if you'll Google it, you'll see it. Um, Bomber was playing for Ireland, and Bomber got in a row with with one of the Australians. And the big thing about the Australians is when a row develops. It's all in. So I, I, you can still remember, I can still picture the scene in Parky Keith. Like, so all in. So Bomber sats around, or the, the Australian sats around Bomber. It's one versus one. But within 10 seconds, it's now 15. But unfortunately, it was 15 Australians versus poor old Bomber who was left abandoned on <laughs> his own. And Heffernan said, Hef, the one thing Heffernan said, right, uh, this is never going to happen again. If something happens, it's all in. And I remember in the first, and this is what's probably started everything, in the first test in, 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 in uh, I think it was Melbourne, uh, but in the first test like that, there was a minor incident, a minor incident when, say, maybe an Australian pushed an Irish game, but just fairly minor. But like that, we were so, it was so ingrained into the Irish team, like, if something happens, lads, it's all in. And the next minute, something minor happened, please, all the Irish weighed in, all the Australians weighed in, and for, for two weeks, 
that's all to us, just belting the living data out of each other. But anyway, I played again in, in, in Dublin the following year. Did I, I think I was the top scorer, but no, it, was, it was a game that was, like the thing about it was because there was no real rules to it. There was no governing body. So the bottom line is, if you murdered the fellow on the field or killed him or something, uh, there literally wasn't a punishment by losing a, a by um, not being play, play another compromise rule game maybe next year. Whereas, like, uh, did you were you suspended from the G or were you was an Australian suspended from the Australian rules? No, there weren't. So there was just a, there was freedom to to act the act the complete cowboy. So 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 a bit of crack souls and you got a a bad land when you were back to the. The GA rules. I meant to ask you, do you know, was it when you won the All Ireland in 75 when Mickey Ned got injured? You were only, was it 19 at the 19, time? 19, yeah. Ah, sure, look, that, chance to I, lift the Sam Maguire, did you? Ah, sure, Ian. I mean, like, as a, as a footballer, in, as a footballer in Kerry, as a as a footballer, you want as a GA person, you want to be an inter-county player, represent your county. That's, that's the first huge honour. You then the next huge honor you can achieve is to win an all Ireland medal, and finally the biggest honor you could have is to be to walk up the steps at the Hogan Stand and to accept the Sam Maguire as captain of the winning team. And in my first, like this is, I mean, if you know the the, the ad, if Carlsberg did this, everything, you know, well, if Carlsberg did did all Ireland final debuts for me, I mean, you know, uh, uh, we we won. I scored a few points, and because of the injury to Mickey Ned, uh, I was the vice captain. And because I went up and I accepted the cup, it was. I mean, like, sure. After that, like, you, know, you, you could have retired in the spot because I, I always remember like the old Irish wasn't good, and I always because nowadays there are, the, the speech is written out by well, there's so many in the back room now. There's a fellow in the back room team to, to write a, a speech. But I remember I always remember doing anything I was saying to one. I said, could you please ask uh, the head steward that brought me up? He said, what is the Irish for on behalf of? Uh, <laughs> on behalf, on behalf. And, oh, yeah, I, and I, I can remember my speech. Uh, and I can tell you this without fear. I not and now quick quick word in English. And I can tell you this without fear of contradiction. When the worst All Ireland winning speeches are, are compiled over the last hundred and fifty years, mine was the worst. But anyway, it was a dream, a dream, gee, absolute dream, absolute dream. And like you said, you could have retired in the spot. You you accomplished it all. Do you know um when you said you were only back from the cruciate injury before the international rules? How did you? Because I was reading up on that, it was a, a possible career-ending one, was it? How did you deal with that, you know, with injury on the sideline for so long? Well, I'm glad you asked me that because, I mean, I I got injured in, in, in 1981. I, I was only 26 years of age. So I lost two, two and a half. I, I was just coming into my prime, so... I, I felt my two best years of football. I, I reckon I lost them because I was I was out injured. But like nowadays, you know, like I was talking to a father yesterday, and his his young lad, his fourteen year old young lad, had just had his anti his cruciate ligament operation, and I started saying like, and, and he the, 
the, there was a man with a daughter in the waiting room. He said the, his daughter was just after getting done. She was 13. Now, crucial ligaments, that's, I mean, they're so common nowadays at all ages. But yeah. the, great thing about, the great thing about crucial ligaments nowadays is that you're back within six to probably nine months. When, when my cruciate was done in 1982, uh, in, in, in 1981, I, I was told that um, I'd never again play football. Boy. I'd never again play football because in 1981, if you did your cruciate ligament, that was it. Your sporting career. That any anyone in Ireland at that stage who had who had ruptured had to give up sport. And I always remember to the day I die, I always remember getting an arthroscopy done in Cork in the hospital in Cork, and the surgeon coming in with. Dr. Con Murphy, great friend of mine, the cock team doctor, great friend of mine, great mentor that looked after. And he came in to give me the result of the arthroscopy. And he, I said, well, what do you find, doctor? And he said, you've ruptured your anterior cruciate ligament. I said, is that serious? He said, it's very serious. You'll never play football again. Like at 26, 27 years of age, when you're told that, that's that's tough. And by Jesus, do you know what? Um, Dr. Con Murphy came in then about a half an hour later. And in fairness, he tried to do a few passes. But it was deemed. But, you know, it goes back to Ian, what I'm talking about again, what, that positivity. Jeez, I wasn't, even though no one in Ireland had ever done come back playing sports with a cruciate in night. And this is only, like, this is only 40 years ago, Ian. Uh, like, no one knew. And I said, I'm going to try to find out. And I'm going to try to find out, can it be done? Can you have an operation? And anyway, between the jig and wheel, my uncle, the late Canon Michael Lyon, he was chaplain to Glasgow Celtic. Great man. And, you know, you saw the photograph lately of the Kerry buys over in Glasgow Celtic. David uh-huh, Clifford. Yeah. And we'd be, the Spillans and the Lions would be huge Celtic supporters. And the Canon would come, Canon, Canon was the chaplain to Glasgow Celtic for, 20, 30 years, he was the parish priest in Parkhead, St. Michael's Parkhead, which is the parish of where Glasgow Celtic is based. He had his own seat behind the dugout, reserved for him for every home match. Every Monday morning, the Cannon would play golf with Jock Steen, who was the famous Celtic manager at the time, and the Celtic team doctor, Dr. Fitzsimmons. At the end of every season, in Cannon Michael Lyme would bring his car over. And he'd have the car full of all the old Glasgow Celtic training gear, the boots, the togs, the socks. So the lines of Cleany, all the lines around Killarney and the Spillans here, we, for 10 years, were kitted out from head to toe in the Celtic gear that had been worn by the first team players during the season. But that was... So anyway, that was the Celtic connection. So we got on to my uncle, Canon Michael, and he got on to the doctor, the, the... the Celtic doctor, and by the gas part about it, didn't we find out that an, a former Celtic player had just come back from a cruciate, a guy called George Burley, who subsequently managed, I think he managed Scotland. George Burley was the first case they could find of somebody who had just come back playing soccer. He played with Chelsea as well, George Burley did afterwards. He managed with Chelsea as well. But George Burley had come back and 
playing he, after getting an operation. And we found out that there was a guy who had just, an English doctor, surgeon, who had just come back from Colorado. And Colorado, remember, is where the skiing is. So they'd be used to dealing with knee injuries. And whatever. But um, Dr. Dandy, Dr. David Dandy, he had come back from Colorado and he was based now in Cambridge. He had done George Burley's operation. It was a success. So do you know what? I did, Ian. I, I found a contact for, for, for David Dandy in Cambridge. I went over, had a consultation, and he agreed to operate. I went over my own. I paid, I'd say, certainly, uh, I paid, I'd say, half of myself out of my own pocket. That's how determined I was. There was no guarantees, but I said, if, if George Bodley can come back playing, and again, going back to what I was talking about, this positivity, this believing, believing I can do it, and, and I came back. And... Uh, I had the operation in Cambridge with Dandy. Now, in those days, you weren't back till a year, a year and a half before you'd be back. Uh, and that's no, and, But the, the second thing was, when I was in hospital, didn't I get an infection two days after the operation? And what my mother and my family didn't know is that I was in, in, I was in intensive care for two days because of an infection I picked up during the operation. And when I came out of hospital, there wasn't a bit of me there. But anyway, you know, I... I there was no guarantee it was going to be a success. There was no guarantee I'd, I'd come back playing. But, you know, I vowed, I vowed that I would train harder and harder and harder and harder. And I pushed my body to an extreme. And I know I've told everyone the stories. You know, uh, like I used to, uh, I did lunatic stuff, uh, Ian, to get my legs. I wanted, so did you, because with a cruise sheet, your knee is weak always. So you compensate by having the muscles so strong around it, the, the quad and the hamstring and the calf. And mm -hmm. I did weight training before anyone was doing serious weight training. I'd run around the field down in Timpano, 40 laps with 10 pound weights. And you know when you're with 10 pound weights around my ankles and you'll be running around in a wet, miserable day. And you know, you know that monkey's in your head saying, ah, this is a waste of time, this is a waste of time. But you know, that other monkey in my head, that, that Mikotawara monkey was telling me, yeah, you'll get back, you'll get back, you'll get back. And you know what? I got back fitter, faster and stronger than than I was prior to the thing. But I'll tell you this, I came back a different... The One of the big regrets I had when I, when I was out injured was... It's, it's amazing what little thing... Like, when you're out, you're out. You're, when, you're, when you're out of sight, you're out of sight. You're, you're past achievement. No one was... There was no one on the phone to me. Are you all right? Or how are you getting on? You were on your own. But the one thing I remember you saying... Geez, I, when I was winning all Adams, I never celebrated. I never celebrated. But I said, Do you know, if I'll ever win an all Adams ever again... Jeez, I'll appreciate those victories and I'll savor those victories and I'll celebrate. And I did. And geez, I had, I don't know, I had another six or six, I had a bonus five or six more years. I had three extra all Adams and three more All Stars. And it was just, but it was, there were tough days. But geez, I, I don't know. And you're on your own. But before, like said, um, before we finish up, I want to be keeping you long more. What do you think about the, the current Kerry team now, like Adrian and Killian and their, Obviously, they're flying and David Clifford and stuff. They're, they're oh, looking talent running through the whole team. How do you think they're faring out? Well, I mean, this year was 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 like this year was the big year. This year was this is why I I, I when I when RT wanted me to select my moment of the year, my moment of the year was Shawnee Shea's winning free and stuff because that was the day. The monkey was off our back because yeah. until we beat Dublin in a championship match in Crow Park, we were always going to be the bright space. Yeah, enough time to Austin yeah, yeah. 
He did. And, you know, this was a huge match. And we knew that there was talented. We know about the talent that was coming through. But it, it, that doesn't necessarily, you know, when you're hitting the crossbar so often and, you know, we were terrible against Tyrone the year before. We were terrible against Cork. We should have beaten Dublin the year before in, in the drawn game. You know, like, and you start to say, that's three, that's three championships we possibly left behind and you start to saying oh geez the, I, I thought this year was make or break because if they didn't win this year I yeah. think they might never win now can I see them win more all of them oh I can yeah I, they're very talented except will, will they win the same will they dominate Gaelic football like like the Dubs did for six in a row or whatever like that no I don't think so they're capable of winning two or three more no doubt about it the only thing I look around now is that gee the gap is closed there's, there's a few you know, there's four or five or six contenders. You could say, geez, Galway and Mayor, they're yeah. not far behind. Dublin aren't far behind. Um, Tyrone won't be gone away. Uh, Derry are improving. Derry were, know, I, I, thought, I thought Derry were the dark horses last year. Armagh are an improving team. Donegal might get reorganised under a new manager. So is there a, is there a big, is there a big, is, is is there a big gap between Kerry and the rest? No. And you only just look at Dublin. And you look at Dublin. No, no. Jack McCaffrey retired. Uh, Paul Mannion gone. Could come back. Con O'Callan injured. And we fell over the line winning by a point against the team without Con. If Con was there, who knows? But yeah. can this... Look, uh, you know, I, I was a party she always t- talked about is the grain of rice that can tip a grain of rice can tip the scales and this year I just thought the grain of rice came Jack came in who was a winner and Jack brought in Paddy Tally and like you know the sign of a great manager or, or a great leader or a great CEO of a company is that you delegate, but you bring in you bring in the best of expertise and the best of talent. You realize your own shortcomings. You realize you need more expertise around you. And Jack was very sharp this year. He's a different Jack as a manager from the first time. He's now realized that you have to have expertise around you. You've got to, you've got to you've got to delegate and he did and he brought in great coaches, but he brought in Paddy Talley, brought in Tony Griffin, and they're the the grains of sand. And, you know, you look around and there's, you know, every year there's another, there's another half a dozen players that are capable of, of making it to scene in the next year or two. So, the future is bright, but like, you know, when you win, when you win, there's a target on your back and everyone is out to, to dethrone you. So, um, lastly, you know, I just want to, obviously you, you're finished up in the Sunday game and there's, you're, I suppose you're getting pestered for interviews off, off, um, People, do you have any 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 plans for the future that you can share? Are, are you still? I, like, I will. Uh, I have. Uh, I have a book out next year. Ian. I, I've already done two books, but I have a book out next year, and it'll be a book about everything, not just football. It'll be about my time as a teacher, my time working in rural affairs, my time uh, on the Sunday game. So it'll be that'll be out this time next. It'll be out this time next year. The book, and you know, like I said to people, you know. Like I see life as just a series of as a book uh, and as a series of chapters. I've closed one particular chapter, but when you close one one chapter, you know I've I'm opening another chapter. I, I there's a blank page. I'm going to write a new chapter. I haven't gone to the end of the road. I've gone to abandon the road, and I'm going to go off in another direction. Could I be on television again? Who knows? I I, I never say no to nothing. But you know the great thing, and I've been very lucky. And I was saying this to Ryan Tobin the other. Like I've been like 
there was a, a famous English politician called Enoch Powell one time, and he said, the careers of all politicians in, inevitably end in failure because they, they they stay too long and they're voted out. And it's true of sports people as well that, you know, like the careers of, of the majority of sports people usually end in failure because very few sports people get their retirement right. Yeah. They're always going for the last hurrah. Every sportsman, whether it's a footballer or a soccer, always thinks, gee, there's another year in me. There's a last hurrah. And and unfortunately, most times there isn't. Pat, come here. Thanks a million for coming on now, and I really appreciate you. It's, a, ple- it's a pleasure, Ian. I, I'm absolutely privileged. And like I said, I think you're the only... I have to do something on television tomorrow night, all right, with the, the Tonight Show. But I've refused all podcast requests, all fucking interviews, so... Uh, you, you, I couldn't refuse you, and especially a man who's been nominated for a national award. I know this is a top, this is a, a top radio show. Thanks so much, Pat, and hopefully, um, hopefully everything goes goes well. And looking forward to the book and everything. So thanks a million. And, and the program gets it right. You are, it's a, you are a standout. Well done. Keep it going. Now, unfortunately, that's all we have time for tonight. I hope you all enjoyed the show, and I appreciate you tuning in as always. A massive thanks to Pat Spillane for coming on today and having a chat about his own career and what a colourful career it was in the green and gold colours and he broke records and he's one of the regarded as one of the greatest of all time to play the game and I'm delighted that I got the chance to, to have a chat with him today because he's someone that, that anybody in Kerry would look up to if they're a football fan and I appreciate his time so thanks a million today to, to Pat. Stay tuned in to Radio Kerry because Brian Priestley is up next with That's Jazz. I'll be back at the same time next Wednesday night from 8 to 9pm. Until then, stay safe and mind yourself. You're listening to Stand Out with Ian O'Connell. Wednesday evenings from 8pm here on Radio Kerry.